0: Our theme this year is Living by the Book. We believe the Bible to be the actual word of God, not the word of men. And as such, it's an infallible guide for our life. So that's what we're thinking about this year is trying to live by the book. This series that we're engaged in right now I've entitled Kingdom Living by the Book. And we're specifically looking at the Sermon on the Mount Uh, Trying to get a little different perspective perhaps than we ever have had before about that famous sermon. Uh, Jesus describes the kingdom and kingdom righteousness and we want to live like we're in the kingdom. We started in uh, Matthew 6.33 where Jesus said in that famous sermon to first seek the kingdom and his righteousness That's what we're supposed to seek is the kingdom and the righteousness that is in the kingdom. Uh, We looked at what the kingdom was about first week, and then we talked more. We've been talking more about the righteousness part. Uh, Last time we were together, we talked about show-and-tell religion because one thing that Jesus pointed out was that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and all of those practiced show-and-tell religion. They loved to show off their religion. It was all about the outside. They wanted to make sure that everybody saw that they were doing righteous acts. And they liked to tell everybody they were doing righteous acts. And if you weren't doing righteous acts right, then they told you how you ought to be doing them right. That was their religion. Uh, Their style of of righteousness prompted Jesus' warning. And that's what we talked about last time. He said, if you're in the kingdom... You be careful that you don't do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. And he went on, he said, if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. And our point was that if you do it to be seen of men, then you've got your reward. Men see you, men think you're righteous, okay, you've got that. But the Father's not going to reward you. And he contrasted the public acts of the Pharisees with the secret acts that a kingdom people ought to do. They ought to pray in secret and they ought to conceal their fasting so they don't brag about it. They ought to give in secret so much that one hand doesn't even know what the other hand's doing and the Father sees all of that in secret and he'll reward it. So that's where we were last week. Uh, today we're going to talk about the circle of Forgiveness. Now, I want to remind you before we start this, where we are is the king explaining the kingdom and how things are different. That's what this whole series is. We're just in a few chapters in Matthew there, and he's giving us very specific rules for kingdom living. He's saying, here's how it is in the kingdom. It's different in the kingdom, and forgiveness is definitely different in the kingdom. Our verses today, we have to have two, verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, you may have heard that so many times that you just kind of gloss over it. But if you read that and pay attention to what it said, that's a disturbing statement. A very disturbing statement. In fact, that's so scary, I think we better check the context. You know, there's got to be a loophole in here somewhere. The context is is what was just read for you. In the middle of the part about show-and-tell religion and righteousness and all of that, Jesus mentioned how we ought to pray. And the world calls it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the Disciples' Prayer or a model prayer. But it begins, our Father which art in heaven, we all know that. But then toward the end it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Your translation might say, forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. It might say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's what it means. Now, he just kind of threw that in the model prayer there. But if anybody was listening, they said, hold it. Did he just say to pray to God to forgive us as we forgive others? Did he really say that? That's got to be a misprint. I mean, prayer ought to be just God forgive us. I've done wrong, I've messed up, I've fouled up, I've sinned, just forgive me. But that's not what he put in the model prayer. He said we're supposed to say, God forgive me as, just like, in the same way that I've forgiven those who sin against me. Woo! That's a hard teaching. And that's why at the end of the prayer... He clarified it. He amplified it. He said, in case you missed that, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, if that was the only place anything like that was in the Bible, we might just kind of tear that page out or ignore it or something. But it's in there quite a bit. I put some other verses on your handout, very similar ones, Matthew 18, 35. Jesus said, that's how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, of course, we need to know the context. That's the famous story where Peter said, well, how many times you've got to forgive somebody? People keep messing with me. And do I have to forgive them seven times? How about that? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And then he told a parable. He said there was a king who had a servant who owed him 10,000 talents, millions of dollars. And he should have thrown him in jail, but the uh, servant begged for his forgiveness, and so he forgave him. And then that servant went out and somebody owed him a few cents, a hundred denarii. And he grabbed the guy by the throat and said, if you don't pay me, I'm going to send you to jail. And the king heard about it and said, hold it, that's not the way it works. (laughs) If you can't forgive those who owe you a little something, I can't forgive you, you're going to jail. And then Jesus said this, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Mark 11, verse 25 and 26 says, When you stand praying, When you're in the synagogue, when you're on the street, when you're in church, and you stand praying, and you realize that you hold something against someone, you forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And Luke 6.36 says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So that teaching, this circle of forgiveness is all through the Gospels in the New Testament. Now there's a little problem with this. and We're going to take a little side road and figure it out. All of that sounds like forgiveness is conditional. He'll only forgive us if we forgive others. And I thought... You know, we've preached about grace and salvation and all that. And I thought that he forgave us because of his grace. I thought that his grace was unconditional. His love's unconditional. That's what grace is. And if grace is conditional on me being perfect, then it's a little less amazing, isn't it? It's not amazing grace anymore. Well, that's why we set the stage in lesson number one. We said, here's what's happening in Matthew 5, 6, 7 in there. Jesus sat down and explained the kingdom to people. Radical teaching. Stuff they weren't used to. They didn't understand it. They they worshipped the way the Pharisees taught them and all of that. And Jesus sat down and he said, here's the way it is in the kingdom. So he's talking to people about the kingdom. The king is explaining the kingdom. Let's make sure we understand who he's talking to. I put a diagram on there. There's two worlds. There's two kingdoms. There's the earthly kingdom, the world, where the pagans and the alien sinners and people don't don't belong to God. They're not his children in the sense that he hadn't adopted them yet. They live in the world. There is the kingdom where the saved lives, where his children live. In the kingdom, we are saved, we are under grace, we are walking in the light. Two different kingdoms. Jesus is explaining to them in Matthew 6 what it's like in the kingdom. Now, if you live in the world, his message of grace comes to you and says, I love you. If you trust me, if you trust in my son, if you believe in him, I will forgive your sins. I will take you just as you are. And that's why we sing that as an invitation song. Just as I am, I can come to Jesus. I may have unforgiveness in my life. I may have all kinds of sins. I may have done horrible things. I may may have done horrible things yesterday. But I may come just as I am if I trust in his son and he will save me. But when I am in the kingdom, kingdom living is different. It's a matter of the heart. You remember that? In the kingdom, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. In the kingdom, we realize because I've been forgiven, I forgive. I'm like that servant. If he's forgiven me millions of dollars, I can't walk out and choke a guy for a quarter. If I've been forgiven, I am merciful as my Father was merciful to me. That's the way it works in the kingdom. If I don't do that, what's it mean? That he won't forgive me because I'm not perfect? No, if I don't do that, it means I don't get it. It means my heart isn't walking in the light. My heart hadn't got this figured out yet. I'm not kingdom living. So that's what he's talking about in the kingdom. When you're in there, yes, you forgive people. And if you don't, you've got a heart problem. If you don't, you're not walking in the light. You're not functioning in the kingdom. He can't forgive you if you let that get in your way. Two different places here we're talking about. All right, hopefully that explains that. Now, let's get back to our hard say. If you forgive your people who sin against you, he'll forgive you. If you don't, he won't. Uh, somebody might ask, all right, what does he mean by that teaching? Uh, what, was Je- what did Jesus mean in this teaching about forgiveness? W- with all kindness that I can muster, that is not a good question. That is not a good question. That's a very dull question. Because anybody who reads that verse, or all the other verses that I put on there for you, there is no question what he means. He means what he says, and it says what it means. You can't read that verse 14 and 15 and say, well, I wonder what that means. If you don't understand that, you don't need to worry about the rest of it. You're going to get in on child's ticket. Yeah, but, you know, that means you're not very sharp, folks. Because it means what it says, and it says what it means. If you forgive those who sin against you, God will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. That's simple. Now, that's all I want you to get today. Uh, That's the part of this I want you to go home with. This is not a comprehensive sermon on forgiveness. It'd take us a series to really talk about all about forgiveness. We're not talking about what forgiveness is and whether it's you're able to forget or not. We're not talking about how to forgive. We're not talking about any of the other details. Jimmy Keyes did that a few weeks ago while family camp was on. He did a fine job of it. He explained a lot of the details that we're not going to talk about today. In fact, one sister came to me this week after I said I was going to preach about forgiveness. She said, you better listen to Jimmy Keyes' sermons before you preach about it. I said, all right, I'll check them out and make sure I get it right. I'm glad I did. He got it right. Okay, he did a good job. But we're preaching two different sermons. He was into the details of forgiveness, and you've got to know those. But all I want you to get is Matthew 6, 14, and 15. All I want you to get is just this. If you are in the kingdom, if you forgive, God will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. All I want you to get is if you are in the kingdom... If you can think of someone, this was your homework, if you can think of someone that you have a problem of unforgiveness with, then brother or sister, you have a problem. A big problem. Famous stories told of John Wesley and a famous general, Oglethorpe, said to John Wesley one time, he said, I never forgive and I never forget. John Wesley replied, then dear sir, I hope you never sinned. You've got a problem with unforgiveness, you've got a big problem if you're in the kingdom. Now, we can't ask what it means, that's not a good question. We can't ask two things. We can ask, why did Jesus teach what he did? And we can't ask, how can we possibly follow that? Because this is a hard teaching, I'll admit that. So we can ask, why did he teach that? And we can talk a little bit about how can we possibly follow his teaching. First, let's talk about why. One reason why is because this circle of forgiveness, that's just life in the kingdom. <laughs> the king gets to define the kingdom, and that's what he did. In this sermon, he tells, here's how here's how, what my people in the kingdom look like. Here's what life in the kingdom looked like. Here's what righteousness in the kingdom looks like. He described it for us. So, this is just life in the kingdom. God forgave us, and because we've been shown mercy, how can we not show mercy to our fellow men? So we forgive them, and that's evidence that we get it, that we're walking in the light, that our heart is right, and then he forgives us. And around and around it goes. That's just life in the kingdom. That's the way it works. Now, understand... Is not that way in the world. In the world, what's the order of the day? What's the rules in the world? Grudges, revenge, getting even. That's the rules in the world. That's the way you operate. That's the way you get by. Jesus said in the kingdom, here's the way forgiveness works. So that's just life in the kingdom is one reason. Second reason, I think that he told us this... It's for our own good. Now, I wrestled with what word to put in there and fill in that blank. I considered saying, for our own sanity. I thought about putting in there, for our own mental health. And then I thought, no, that leaves out physical health, and unforgiveness even affects physical health. The point is, unforgiveness eats you up. Bitterness destroys the soul. Holding on to something, not forgiving somebody will eat you up. It'll mess your life up. Lewis smeads wrote about forgiveness and he said this, To forgive is to put down your 50-pound pack after a 10-mile climb of a mountain. To forgive is to fall into a chair after a marathon. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. To forgive is to reach back into your hurting past and recreate it in your memory so that you can begin again. To forgive is to dance to the beat of God's forgiving heart. It's to ride the crest of love's strongest wave. Our only escape from history's cruel unfairness Our only passage to the future's creative possibilities is the miracle of forgiving. Jesus taught this about forgiveness because that's the way it is in the kingdom, but also because it's good for us. Thirdly, he taught this about forgiveness because relationships are worth it. A nurse told this story of an elderly woman that she was caring for. They had talked about all kinds of things, about family and lots of things in life. And finally, a deep hurt had surfaced in this woman, and she talked about it. She said, I'll never forgive him. I told him I will never forgive him. Then she explained to the nurse how her brother had come to the hospital bed And accused her of taking more than her share of the family heirlooms when her mother had died. And he spoke about different things that they had taken and split up at the settlement. But he enlisted a number of things that she had taken that he didn't think was fair. And he ended with the berry spoon. He said, I want the berry spoon. For 40 years, since their parents had died, he had hidden his feelings, and now they erupted. And she was hurt and angered. She said, I'll never forgive him. She said, it's my spoon. It was given to me. and He's wrong, and I'll never forgive him. The nurse wrote this. She said, standing at her bedside, I felt my spirit grieve. A spoon, a berry spoon. In the bed before me lay a woman given two months to live. And she would face eternity and never see her brother again in this life. Her mind and spirit were in anguish. And her only remaining family tie was broken over a berry spoon. There should be no berry spoons in the kingdom of God. Relationships are worth it. Forgiveness keeps that kind of thing from happening. So we can ask why and give some answers. Now, how is a harder question. Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, he'll forgive you. If you don't, he won't. We know what that means. We know why, some reasons, he taught that. But how we do it. that's a harder thing. i refer you again to Jimmy Key's sermons. You can get those, check them out, buy some. Uh, He has a lot of helpful hints in there on how you can forgive when it's hard. But I want to just close with two stories. One is a fable, so it's not true. Couldn't happen, didn't happen. It's got things in it that are impossible. And then a true story. The fable is one called The Magic Eyes written by Lewis Smeads And I'm not going to read it all because it's rather long, but I'll just summarize the first of it. The fable is about a very self-righteous baker named Folk. And he had a wife named Hilda. And he was so self-righteous. She loved him very much, but he was so self-righteous she couldn't love him too much. And finally, due to all of this, she was caught in adultery. The fable goes on from there. Everyone assumed that folk would cast Hilda out of his house. So righteous was he. But he surprised everyone by keeping Hilda as his wife, saying he forgave her as the good book said he should. In his heart of hearts, however, folk could not forgive Hilda for bringing shame to his name. Whenever he thought about her, his feelings toward her were angry and hard. He despised her. And when it came right down to it, he hated her for betraying him after he had been so good and so faithful a husband to her. He only pretended to forgive Hilda so that he could punish her with his righteous mercy. But Folk's fakery did not sit well in heaven. So each time that Folk would feel his secret hatred toward Hilda, an angel came to him and dropped a small pebble, hardly the size of a shirt button, into Folk's heart. And each time a pebble dropped, Folk would feel a stab of pain. Thus he hated her more. His hate brought him pain, and his pain made him hate. And the pebbles multiplied. And Folk's heart grew very heavy with the weight of them, so heavy that the top half of his body bent forward so that he had to strain his neck upward in order to see ahead. And weary with hurt, Folk began to wish that he were dead. The angel who dropped the pebbles into his heart came to Folk one night and told him how he could be healed of his hurt. There was one remedy, he said, only one. For the hurt of a wounded heart. Folk would need the miracle of the magic eyes. He would need eyes that could look back to the beginning of his hurt and see Hilda not as a wife who betrayed him, but as a weak woman who needed him. Only a new way of looking at things through magic eyes could heal the hurt flowing from the wounds of yesterday. Folk protested. Well, nothing can change the past, he said. Hilda is guilty. The fact that not even an angel can change. Yes, poor hurting man, you're right, the angel said. You can't change the past. You can only heal the hurt that comes to you from the past. And you can heal it only with the view of the magic eyes. How can I get the magic eyes, pouted folk? Only ask, desiring as you ask, and they will be given you. And each time you see Hilda through your new eyes, one pebble will be lifted from your aching heart. Folk could not ask at once, for he had grown to love his hatred. But the pain of his heart finally drove him to want to and to ask for the magic eyes that the angel had promised. So he asked, and the angel gave. Soon Hilda began to change in front of Folk's eyes. Wonderfully and mysteriously, he began to see her as a needy woman who loved him instead of a wicked woman who had betrayed him. The angel kept his promise. He lifted the pebbles from Folk's heart one by one, though it took a long time to take them all away. Folk gradually felt his heart grow lighter. He began to walk straight again, and somehow his nose and his chin seemed less thin and sharp than before. He invited Hilda to come into his heart again, and she came. And together they began again a journey into their second season of humble joy. The true story is a story of Corrie Ten Boone. She and her sister were arrested during World War II in Holland for hiding Jews in their home. They were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. She wrote many things about the horrors of the camp. Our sister died there. One thing she remembered most clearly, she said, was the the group showers to wash away all the lice and the leering faces of the German guards and how she hated that. After surviving the war and getting out of the concentration camp, Corrie ten Boom began to travel and to speak. She spoke of her Christianity. She spoke mainly about forgiveness. In 1947, she was invited to visit Germany. She went to Munich and she spoke of how God forgives us. She spoke of how when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, how they're gone forever. And after the speech, she saw him balding, heavy-set man in a blue uniform, in a gray overcoat and a brown hat. And he was working his way toward the front of the audience. She said, One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with the skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. And now he was in front of me, his hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein, how good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He wouldn't remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood froze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did, but I'd like to hear it from you as well. Frau Lion again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had been forgiven again and again, and could not forgive. Bessie had died in that place. Could he erase her slow death simply by the asking? It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it, not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. And those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. And you supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and down my arm, and it sprung into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Next time we're together, we'll talk about telling the truth. But I want to close by reminding you that kingdom rules aren't just for Pharisees. Kingdom rules have to be applied here. Kingdom rules apply to those of us in the kingdom. You may have had an uncomfortable 30 minutes listening to this talk about forgiveness. Your homework may have prepared you for it. You may be bent over with unforgiveness. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. Following that song, we're going to pray. I just want to remind you of one verse. Jesus said, when you stand to pray, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you need to come this morning, come. Let's stand and say.